Yo, 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 what is going on? It is just myself and Brett today at the Overstated NBA show. Jacob can't be with us. We're recording this a little bit later on a Sunday night. Um, Brett just got back from a vacation in Hawaii. Meanwhile, I, if you can hear, am still celebrating Bucks and Six. Brett Usher, what's going on, man? How you doing? <laughs> man, I'm glad to hear you're still celebrating, and I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> it's It's been a long time coming. Yeah, man, I'm good. I had a had a nice trip with the family in, in Hawaii for about a week or so. And, uh, yeah, I got back to San Diego late last night. And I've just been running around all day, kind of getting things back in order. And um, and as I told you before the podcast, and as you can probably tell, listening, I'm, I'm in my car right now. I'm not driving. I'm parked. But but I am in my car. So I'm, I'm not on my normal microphone. We're doing what uh, what, what car do we have out, Brett? Do we have the BMW, the Tesla, <laughs> the, uh, the Land Rover? What, what car the, do we have out today? We're in the Range Rover. Look at you, man. You sandbagging son of a bitch. Look at you. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, yeah, it's good to, good to be talking to you, man. I know, man. It's been a minute. So um, kind of what we're going to do today is we have a special podcast, a draft podcast that we're doing with Nathan. We're recording that on Tuesday. It's going to be released Wednesday. So today, man, we're going to talk about the NBA Finals. We haven't done one since, and there's a reason why we haven't done that. And then we'll probably talk a, a little um, Olympic basketball. So, Brett, the last time that I talked to you, that we did a podcast together. It was after game two. It was the next day we did a recap, and I told you, I said, I feel really good. I feel really good about where the Bucks are at. Giannis looked great. That was the that was the game Giannis had about 40 points, and he was unbelievable from the free throw line. And I said, Phoenix won that game. They shot 20 for 40 from three, way too many quarter threes. That Bucks defense does not give up quarter threes. I felt really, really good going into games, going into game three and four. I didn't think that they were going to win four straight, but I, 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 once I saw game two, I was like, okay, I, I think we're, we're going to be okay. So since we haven't talked in a while, what, what were your kind of takeaways just on, you know, game three, four, five, six, like what, because I know you wanted Phoenix, you kind of a Phoenix fan. You wanted Phoenix to win. I mean, obviously I know you love Deandre Ayton. I mean, what, what did you see? What kind of caught your eye um, taking away from those last four games of the series? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I remember that podcast we did after game two and I was kind of with you. Like I was feeling better about the Bucks. Like I, I thought they, they played really well in game two, even though they lost. But, um, and then it was game three where I really started feeling optimistic and I did a podcast with Jacob. And at that point it was very close for me. It was pretty much a coin flip, but I said to him, if I had to put money on it right now, I'm taking the Bucks after what I saw from Giannis, that was his second straight 40 point game. And it's like, this team just might not have an answer for Giannis probably doesn't have an answer for Giannis and obviously he was great in games four and five as well a little bit quieter in the scoring department but was still awesome and then we all know what happened in game number bucks and six where he had one of the true all-time great playoff performances so I mean you know it was like we can talk about Chris Middleton's big shot making um, which he did in a few games throughout that series, even if he wasn't the most efficient uh, offensively overall. We can talk about Drew Holiday's defense on both Booker and Chris Paul. Um, you know, I think it was one of the most impactful uh, NBA Finals guard performances defensively that that I can remember seeing. I mean, I don't know how far back you've got to go, but, you know, I think you might be going back to, like, Michael Cooper or something like that. I think someone brought that up when I mentioned this in the group, but 
to, for, for a guy to have that kind of an impact on, on a series defensively from the guard position, man, it was, it was really awesome. Obviously, he was pretty dreadful offensively for the most part, but his defense was great. But, I mean, the one thing that, that we got to talk about is Giannis. You know, it was like he, – I'm not going to say he totally carried the team, but he carried the team pretty much as much as any one player I've seen uh, in a finals. I mean, you know, maybe maybe you could talk about LeBron on the Cavs, but like that was a it was a monumental effort by Giannis. I mean, uh, that's obvious to say, but it, it really I think it was you know definitely in the best handful of individual Finals performances we've we've seen in the NBA. I mean, I just think it was it was stupid what he put up. Like, I mean, <laughs> if you if you, like if you look at all the stats from this game, like or from that series, it was it was stupid, man. Like, I, I don't think that, like, people – some of the stats that this dude – like, he's in unbelievable territory. Like, like I mean, like, I, I know you said it kind of at the top. It is one of, if not the most dominating performances we've ever seen, if you consider two-way, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you know, you have games three – or, I'm sorry, two and three. Uh, there's only two players in NBA history that had 40-plus points and 10-plus rebounds in back-to-back final games. That's Shaq and Giannis. Like – in one of the games he had um, through the first three quarters, Giannis had 30, 10, and 5 through three quarters. There's only three players in NBA history that have done that. Jordan in 97, he was 34. LeBron in 2016, he was 32. Katie in 2018, he was 30. And Giannis was 26. Like, mm. the numbers that this dude just put up, and we'll talk about game six in a minute, was just, it, it, it was ridiculous, man. I've never seen... And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Bucks fan. Believe me, I mean, Brent. I think you and our listeners both know. Like, I'm not, I'm not, um, not at all scared to go after Buc- the Bucks when they play bad. But I can't remember. A... He had the block. He had the alley oop, and then he had a fifty burger, all in three different games. And I can't tell you which one was bigger than the. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was his his two way play was just was just stupid. And you know, shout out to you. I, I got to give you credit after game one. I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but I think anybody that watched game one, Phoenix was in complete control of that game. It got in a single digits a little bit, but I, I still think Phoenix was in control. Giannis had 20 and 17 while trying to figure his knee out. And I remember you and I talked after game one. I said, I wouldn't have played him. I would have let him get as healthy as possible, come back for game three. And I was wrong on that. You said, he's going to be fine, man. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And then, you know, game two comes up 40, game three, 40. Game four, he has the big block, right? Game five comes in there, and I, I just thought he was he was steady. And people talk about game five, they, they forget that Milwaukee was down by like 20. And, and within four minutes, they came storming back. When he was on the bench, by the way, and, 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 and retook the lead. I mean, I, I just think he the numbers that he put up are just stupid. Like, that, that is one of the most dominating finals ever. And then you look at the Chris Middleton side of it. There's only been two teammates in postseason history that have 500 points and 100 assists. LeBron and D. Wade in 2012, Giannis and Chris Middleton in 2021. That's it. Wow. There's nobody wow. else. That's wow. the They're the only two players, I believe, in NBA Finals history to go to have each of them have over score over 40 points. The shot making that, that Middleton had in, in Game 5 was just stupid. I mean, he was great in Game 4, but the shot making him and Booker going back and forth in Game 5 was just stupid. I mean, just and then Drew Holiday. I, I believe I, I have to find this. I had it. We're doing this on my phone, so I, I don't want to go be looking at my photos on my phone. But I believe that um, 
Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis are the first trio since Magic Johnson, Kareem, and James Worthy to each have over like 25 points. And one more Chris Middleton stat for you, Brett. Chris mm-hmm. Middleton had 18 points on 75% shooting in the clutch in the finals, the most by any player. The next closest player had four. He also led this entire playoffs in clutch points. Wow. That's the thing. Like, he, like overall, it didn't feel like he was that great. But man, was he clutch. He hit so many big shots. Yeah, especially in game in games four and five. Um, I mean, he deserves a lot of credit, man. He earned it. And again, Drew as well. Like Drew had some ugly shooting numbers, we all know, but God, his defense was so good and so important when you think about the level at which, you know, Booker and Paul were playing at coming into this series. Uh, especially Paul. And for him to sort of put the clamps on Chris like that, he had people thinking Chris Paul was injured. You know, like yeah, everyone's like, "Is Chris Paul injured?" No, Drew Holiday just put the fucking clamps on that dude. And uh, man, uh, but yeah, man, going back to what you said about Giannis, that was big too. Just the fact that that he had like multiple iconic plays in the clutch. Like those are two that alley oop dunk from Drew, uh, which Drew probably deserves more credit overall on that play for sure. Hundred percent. I mean, the steal, the steal was yeah. uh, to me. The steal was the second biggest play in that series. I thought the block was number one and the steal was number two. But yeah. you're, you're, but Giannis still, you know, he was the one who finished it. He was a big, he was a he was the 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 highlight part of that play, really. And then uh, and then of course the block. So, uh, man, it, yeah, I I can't say enough about him, man. Like he's it it took him to another level. Like like all of a sudden we're looking at an all time great player. Like okay, now like, it's it's a it's a lock. Like, like, like he's Brett. a lock. Brett, like, let, me, let me do this, man. He's the first player ever to uh, to go f- average over 30 points, 10 rebounds, five, point, five assists a game on 60% shooting in NBA Finals. He's the first person ever with 50 points, 10 rebounds, and five blocks in an NBA Finals game. And he's the first player ever to win most improved player, MVP, defensive player of the year, and finals MVP. That's just stupid, dude. Like, that, that, that is... It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. It's crazy because, like, his accolades and, like, awards and, and accomplishments, like, individually at least, were already crazy going into the finals. But, like, winning the finals and winning that finals MVP just, like, solidified them. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, multiple MVPs, defensive player of the year, finals MVP, NBA champion. Didn't he win most improved? Like, the guy's yeah, trophy he, case yeah. is freaking bananas, dude. And, yeah, he's, and then it's like oh my God, and he's only 26. And then it's like, well, who else has done this much by age 26? And it's like, well, nobody really. Uh, so, I mean, you're, you're looking at like, I don't know. I, I don't want to get crazy and hyperbolic, but like, I think it's safe to say he's like on a top 10 all-time trajectory. Like he's further ahead of the, at this stage in his career than just about anybody. Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's really exciting. It's really exciting. And, and I, just, I, I wish I wish that Jacob would have been here because I wanted to ask him because he, he's he's the numbers guy. I just can't remember, and I saw like I I couldn't agree with you more on that Facebook post you had in the overstated NBA group. Just I've never seen a player a two just dominate two ways like that before. Right. Like like I mean it was it was crazy, and then you go to Game Six, and you and I I think you and I have been the first people on this. I, I go back two years ago. Giannis makes his free throws. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to the NBA Finals two yeah. years ago. 17 for 19 in a game six in, in, a, in a closeout game. That's ridiculous, man. That is just ridiculous. It's the ultimate like clutch thing to do. When you think about it, a guy who not only struggles at the free throw line, 
But like that became probably one of the biggest storylines of the playoffs was his struggles at the free throw line. Like he was getting heckled and taunted and every show was talking about it. And it's all anybody was talking about. And for him to step up in the biggest game of his life and go 17 of 19, 89% from the line, like that's the ultimate clutch because that's all concentration. That's all mental. That's all just believing in yourself and staying calm under pressure. Cause if he wasn't any of those things, he would have cracked and, and missed a lot of those free throws. And, you know, maybe they don't win that game. But 17 and 19, man, that was incredible. Um, I was so happy for him. And the shot looked good too. Like it just looked it did. he looked loose. He looked comfortable. Uh that yeah, that was you know, for, for both of us, I know, man. That was that was one of the most exciting things about that game. Cause that's not that's not like eight of ten or like, you know, twelve of fifteen. That's seventeen of nineteen. Like I that's know. that's elite. That's an elite performance from the foul line. Like, for you like, to like, do that, man. I want I want to talk about Drew Holiday here in a minute, but just just one final thing on Giannis. Game one, 20 first came back after his knee looked like it was just done, right? Game two, 42 points, 12 rebounds, four assists. Game three, 41 points, 13 rebounds, six assists. Game four, the block. Game five, the alley oop. And game six, 50 points, 14 rebounds, and five blocks. That is just stupid yeah. numbers, dude. Bro, like I I mean, I I think, you know, in the group I said. I think it was the best individual finals performance since Shaq in 2001. Like you could say Duncan in 03 or like LeBron in 2016. There's a couple, but personally I'm taking Giannis's and it's because of what you said, because of the two way stuff. Like, I don't know. I think you'd have to go back to maybe Hakeem Olajuwon, I guess Duncan in 03 and then maybe Hakeem in like 94, if you're talking about true two way performances, but with the way that, defense has to be played now in the NBA. Like I almost give Giannis more credit. Like Duncan didn't have to switch out and play defense in space. Like he didn't have to do all the switching and and be as mobile as Giannis was while also protecting the rim, like a mofo, like getting five. What do you have? Six blocks in the decisive game? Five. Five. Like, I mean, I think like Booker like three times. He's doing that all while, all while, you know, showcasing his, his elite switchability. Like, I mean, I think that was, I, I think it's as good a two-way performance as I've seen. I mean, obviously, Michael always brought it on D, and like I think his '93 Finals performance is my all-time favorite. But like, yeah, I, I, like I said in the, that post, man, that you talked about, like I think it has an argument for being on Mount Rushmore of individual Finals performances. Obviously, like anything before that '93 Jordan was just before my time. But like I would say '93 Jordan, maybe '03 Duncan, maybe '16 LeBron. Um, and, and then Giannis is like, if we're talking about the last 30 years and before that, maybe there was a couple, but it's, it's up there, man. Like really, really a historic performance. It, it's just, it's crazy, man. And then going back to, you know, the Bucks big three ass. So this is after game two, right? After game two, Giannis 33, 12 and seven on 60% shooting Chris Middleton, 29, seven and five on 47, 39, 86% from the free throw line. Drew holiday, 25 and 10, <laughs> 44-39 and 100% from the free throw line. Like, Drew Holiday, like, we're, we're going to talk about Chris Middleton, too, and before we uh, get in, get over to Phoenix. I believe throughout the entire playoffs, Brett, you ready for this? Because you, yeah. you were talking about his two-way. Drew Holiday was plus 159 in the playoffs, the highest by any player in the NBA. Wow. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, dude, I thought, again, we talked after game one when I was on Nathan's podcast I said the key for Milwaukee is going to be to figure out how are you going to wear down Chris Paul, right? And I, I 
I thought it was going to be something that they do on, you know, when they have the ball. You know, I think PJ Tucker did a good job of of crashing the offensive glass, making Chris Paul work. But I did not see the game two adjustment of Drew Holiday picking up Chris Paul the entire length of the floor and just and just hounding him. I know they had PJ Tucker. They threw Jeff Teagan on him for a couple minutes, which I mean that did not go good at all. But I mean. Drew, Drew Holiday's defensive defensive play on Chris Paul, I thought was was just as big as Chris Middleton and Giannis going off offensively. I mean that was that to me, like you said. I mean, people were saying that Chris Paul was hurt, and I, I was kind of having fun with it during Game Five. But I mean, like I think just think Drew Holiday and and PJ Tucker more so Drew Holiday. They just wore him down, man. I man, mean, they picking him up so full it's... court, and he's thirty six years old. Like it's, we shouldn't be surprised that it happened. He he puts so much pressure on, on the opponent when he when he really locks in on defense. Like I don't think anybody puts as much pressure on the ball as Drew does. And it's like, yeah, he's picking him up full court, and then in the half court, he is just up in your grill, and he does it without fouling. It's pretty incredible. I don't think there's another guy that can really do that. He gets just up under his man, like he is right there. He gives you no breathing room whatsoever. And the reason most guys can't do that is because they'll foul. But Drew's good enough that he doesn't, man. And not to mention his he's got a huge length advantage over Chris. Um, he's closer to Booker's size, actually. But uh yeah, man, he's he just puts so much pressure on him. And it really threw Chris off, man. Chris was playing at at as high a level as anybody going into that series. And uh, you know, by game three, he looked worn down. And uh, yeah, Drew had him a little shook, I think. And yeah, people are like, why is he losing the ball? Like something must be wrong with his hand or his wrist. And it's like, no, man, that's what happens when you're facing that level of pressure. We just don't see that level of defensive pressure executed so well very often. So just so much credit to Drew. And I'm not surprised that his plus minus looked like that. Even if his offense was inconsistent, um, you know, defensively, he was great the whole way through. And, and obviously, um, that that trade was uh was well worth it i, I don't i think any questions about that have been, have they, been they're done yeah. they're done they're yeah. done man yeah. i mean they're done and, and bobby portis in game six he had 16 points like he was six for ten dude he hit some timely buckets but let i kind of want to talk about phoenix a little bit we'll, we'll get back to milwaukee i mean i thought that Devin Booker was great. Uh, you 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 can count me as one of the people before this year started going back to last year. I know we had the uh, the NBA All Star group. I was like, yeah, man, like, I, is he a, a good stats, bad team guy? Like, I mean, how, I I thought Devin Booker he silenced me and silenced all the how he played this year. But these NBA Finals, I thought he was fantastic. He ends the NBA Finals averaging twenty eight point two points a game, four assists, and three point five rebounds. I mean, that game five, Brett was some of the best shot making I've ever seen. I, I remember looking at the people we were at a sports bar watching the game and I remember just going, this dude just don't miss, man. I mean, he was phenomenal. I mean, I, I don't know if you caught Jacob and I doing the podcast. I know you're on vacation. I mean, he wanted more threes. You know, this this was my kind of series, tough physical defense, mid-range free throws. I mean, I just Devin Booker was unbelievable, man. That dude, he just could not miss. Like, he made just difficult shot after difficult shot. Like game five between him and awesome, it seemed like and though it, for that third, the entire third quarter was Booker versus Middleton. It it was fantastic, man. I cannot say enough good things about Devin Booker. Brett, you've been riding Devin Booker for a while, man. What 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 are your kind of takeaways from his six games in these NBA Finals? I mean, I think he's Kobe light. You know, like he's not as good as Kobe, probably never will be. 
but he's 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 kind of that type of player man i mean he's got that kind of mentality uh he's got that kind of tough shot making ability i think he's the best tough shot maker in the nba no question about it i don't don't even think there's anyone else really in the oh i think chris middleton might might be close but i think i think chris middleton's close he makes some tough shots but like book a book takes shots that i feel like middleton wouldn't even take and he makes them you know what I mean? Like he's he's you could say his shot selection is a little sketchy, but like he always seems to make them. Um, but yeah, no, Middleton's up there too. No disrespect to him, but yeah, man, that's there's just the, the shot making was incredible. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, man, he's he's got a very bright future. Like I think I think people are kind of like the Suns are gonna be really good like, next year. Um, you know, no matter what happens with Chris Paul. I think the Suns are going to be fantastic next year. I think they're going to be right back in the mix just because three-fourths of that core, you know, when we're talking about Aiton, Bridges, and Booker are all, what, 24 or younger? Yeah. I think Book yeah. is 24, Aiton's 22, uh, Bridges maybe 23, 24. Like, they're, they're so young, man. They're all going to get better. And, like, to think about Booker getting better than he was in these playoffs is – is pretty scary, man. And same with Aiton. Like, Jesus, wait till Aiton. Aiton can shoot. That's the thing that we didn't really see from him this year. Alongside Chris Paul, he became sort of like, and it was an awesome role, but, it, you know, he was mostly just, you know, rim running and and, and lob catching and, and dunking around the rim and throwing in jump hooks and stuff and the occasional short jumper. But he's a legitimately good shooter. And I think he could probably, I think he could probably start shooting threes as early as next season. He wants to. I know that. And uh, I'm not saying that's that's a great idea, you know, to go all in with that right away. But I think uh, we're going to see more from Aiden. I think he's a lot more than what he kind of showed us this year. He reined it in this year, which was great. <coughs> what he needed to do. He was getting a little ahead of himself uh, his first couple years with the with the you know sort of perimeter shooting and kind of falling in love with that jump shot. But I think when he can sort of blend that with what he did this year, he's going to be a real problem bridges is going to continue to get better um especially as an offensive player uh you know i think he has the potential still to be an excellent offensive player and we all know about his defense so no matter what happens with chris paul i think the suns are going to be an awesome team they still got camp johnson we we know we haven't seen jalen smith really yet but that's that's another young kid they got so i'm excited about them going forward man uh and uh yeah the uh, <laughs> Yeah, I love I love him, man. Like it was funny though. I'll say this: before the series, I did say that I was like, I I don't think I've ever wanted a team to win the finals. You did say that, but I know, I know, you broke my heart. You did say that. I broke my heart. But 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 I'll tell you the truth, man. That definitely that changed fast, and and when it really changed was when the series went back to Milwaukee, and I saw the Bucks fans, and like, oh, we were nuts, man. We were nuts. Came back to me that that Giannis really was my favorite player for for a long time. Like I. I always loved Giannis. I was always a Giannis guy, and like, yeah, man, and you abandoned point. him. You abandoned him when in, in his biggest need, you abandoned him, right? You <laughs> abandoned him. But I'll tell you though, man. So by by probably you know by by the midpoint of game three or something, I was kind of like, honestly, I just want to see a good series. I just want to see this go six <laughs> or seven, like that. All that that sun shit kind of went out the window, man. Like I sort of. Oh, Brad, that's so on brand, Brad. I love you. themselves to me, man. It's funny, like this has happened before too, where I think, I think I'm rooting for one team going into the finals, and uh, and when and when we get there, it's like I'm either rooting for the other team or I just want to see a good series, and that definitely happened. Like I was all all about the Suns, and I still love them, and yeah, I still I was rooting for them in Game Six, but like 
I was really happy when the Bucks won too. Like I wasn't me too. I was I was really happy for you. I was really happy for the organization, all the fans. Yeah, the Suns have never won a title, but the Bucks haven't won one in fifty years. So I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, So I'm. I hear you, man. man. I hear. I I think that though (laughs) this is a. uh, I think this off season, and I I haven't heard too many people say this. I think this is a huge. Like I think that he has all the makings to take that next step. I, I, I agree with you a little bit. I think a lot of his a lot of alley-oops from Chris Paul, Devin Booker, when they get in the middle of the lane like that, and then they just have it. But I mean, and this is not a knock on DeAndre and I don't want people to think it is, but I mean, he got his ass kicked by Giannis this series. And, and Giannis, as we said, he's, he's going to be, his trajectory is insane right now. I mean, Giannis just had one of the best finals performances we ever had, but like, I really want to like, if I'm a Suns fan, like, yo, DeAndre and start working on get some post moves, right? Like hit the gym. Like, I mean, it, it's all right there for him because I, I think that when once Giannis after game one figured out that, Hey, his knee's going to be okay. It, it did like Phoenix couldn't guard him, man. And, and I know that, you know, I know the Dario Sarge injury was tough. I actually thought Frank Kaminsky played really well in game six, but I mean, I, I, I understand like the Sarge stuff, but I mean, it, I don't think it would have mattered, man. Giannis was going through any any one of those guys. That's the like, thing, man. I, th- I think Giannis figured some stuff out, but like I, I hope, like I think Devin Booker's he's that dude now. He just did in the NBA Finals. I mean, he scored forty points. I think yeah. back to back forty points. Like Devin Booker's that dude, man. And who knows what's going to happen with Chris Paul? I'm assuming he's not just going to opt out of forty two million dollars. <laughs> like I'm, I'm assuming. He's going to be back with Phoenix. There's no way he's taking the vet men to go chase the title with the Lakers. No, I mean, no, that's, no. that's probably an off, more so of an off-season conversation. I think no, it would, just, it would just be if he tries to, if he thinks he can get something longer term. Um, but I don't know. I, I, if I had to put money on it, I think he'll be back with Phoenix. I mean, they just made the freaking finals. Like it's yeah, not like, it's and not I'm, like they were a bad team. Um, and, and and we can and we we I'm sure we'll talk about this in the off-season more. Like just kind of Phoenix trajectory. Like I, I mean, I don't. I love Steph and Golden State, but I mean, I'm not, unless they make a move here, I'm not optimistic that Clay Thompson is going to come back automatically and, you know, Golden State is just going to be the one seed. Like, I think they have a little bit to prove there and let's kind of see how their offseason goes. But I mean, I, I think Phoenix is going to be right right there again. I, yeah. I think, you know, I don't, I hate it. You, you know, in our talks, Brett, some people mock me for it. I think most people understand what I'm saying. Like, your best ability is your availability. Like, you know what? You know, Anthony Davis got hurt. You know, Jamal Murray was hurt. Like, who cares, man? Phoenix was there. It, it doesn't matter how it happened. Phoenix was there, and they got valuable experience. And, you know, Devin, like I said, Devin Booker knows he's that dude. DeAndre knows that he can dominate. I, I just think if Phoenix this next step, I think it's got to be on DeAndre, man. And I, I'm really excited for him, and I want to see what what what, what is he going to add to his game this offseason. Yeah. I think that he he can bring in the next season. I think he's like I said, man, I think he's going to start stretching the floor a little bit more. I think he's going to be popping a little more off those pit. Those pick and rolls are going to be picking pops a lot of the time. Um, I think that's something he can do. uh, And I think we're going to see it probably starting next year. He's still so young. Uh, I'm very optimistic about him. I mean, remember, like Hakeem Olajuwon destroyed Shaq in the finals. Um, you know, like I, I'm not surprised that Giannis destroyed DeAndre Ayton. Giannis is just on a much different level. Like they're they're nowhere near the same conversation as players right now. As well as Ayton played, that's just too much to ask, especially as the only big on that team. So not only do you have to worry about containing the best player in the world, you have to worry about not getting in foul trouble. So you can only be so aggressive. He was put in a very 
very tough position. And I thought he played admirably considering. But, uh, you know, it was Sarge would have taken a little bit of pressure off him. But Sarge isn't exactly like a rim protector or a guy that's going to do anything to slow down Giannis. Nobody was stopping Giannis. And, uh, you know, that that's all there was to it, man. <laughs> and it, it was just an all-time performance. But, you know, I, the Suns, man, like a lot of people didn't think they were a playoff team or thought maybe they were barely maybe an eight seed or something. And uh, And they went to the finals and were arguably the best team in the league during the regular season. So. I mean, I think their fans need to be proud of that. Like, there's no, there's no disappointment. There's no being bummed, you know, about about them losing to the Bucks. It was, uh, they had a hell of a season. And you called, didn't you call Phoenix early too? When we when we were doing kind of our off season stuff, you were very I, bullish on Phoenix. I, I think I had them as the five in the West, and and that felt that felt bullish at the time. Like that felt kind of crazy. I think I, a couple people said I was crazy for saying that. I'm pretty sure I, I had I had them as the five seed going in but uh they they exceeded my expectations and and i was high on them higher than most so one one more one one more phoenix question for you brett before we get back Mm -hmm. to milwaukee does this change your perception of chris paul kind of where does this fit in or like the narrative on chris paul like what did you take away from this nba finals uh with chris paul i think just the it doesn't change anything for me like this is this is who he is this is who he's always been um, this guy that we saw in the playoffs leading this team. And um, yeah, they didn't get the ring. You know, getting to the finals is a nice accomplishment for him. Obviously, he had never done that before. But this is who he is. I think the thing that sticks out for me with Chris Paul is the longevity factor, just that his game has aged this well and that his body has held up held up this well. You know, I mean, he had that injury against the Lakers. I guess it was his shoulder early on in the playoffs. And He's going to have little nicks and bangs and bruises and stuff. But, like, overall, he moves well. Like, he he doesn't look like he's slowed down. So just considering all the injuries he's had and just that's been so much of the narrative with him and the fact that he's 36, almost 37 years old with a lot of NBA seasons under his belt and for him to still be playing at this level, like, arguably as good as he's ever been, is pretty incredible. Like, we'd love to talk about how well LeBron's game has aged uh, Chris is in that exact same conversation. So I think that's probably the thing that has stuck out most to me and maybe is a little bit surprising is I, I probably would have expected him to start slowing down by now. Maybe he has a little bit, but I don't know. I don't really see it. I, I To me, uh, my perception of him it has raised a little bit. It, I mean, I thought yeah. what he did, what he did, if you think about it, well, I, I guess you can't say like that, but he goes to OKC after, you know, the Russell Westbrook trade and, and Paul George is out of there. And that team was, you know, I, I know I think you and Jacob were a little bit bullish on them. But I mean, for the most part, everybody had them not making the playoffs. They make the playoffs. They lose in seven games to to a huge. Right? Then this year he goes to a team that hasn't made the playoffs and who knows how long. Right. And instantly they go to the NBA finals. I, I just think whenever Chris Paul joins a team, yeah. I didn't I. I can't tell you, I loved Chris Paul when he was with the Pelicans. I hated Chris Paul when he was with the Clippers. I loved Chris Paul. I, I shouldn't say that. I liked Chris Paul when he was with Houston. Loved Chris Paul when he was with OKC. Loved Chris Paul when he was with Phoenix. I just think that, dude, his leadership is something else. It doesn't come up in a stat sheet. It doesn't, there's no analytics. There's no stat for it. He, he, his teams just always win, dude. Now, I, I can love that, and I, I respect that out of that guy. If Phoenix wasn't playing Milwaukee, I would I would have been rooting for Phoenix to win just because I 
like Chris Paul, and I love Devin Booker. Like, coming away from this, like, I don't know how you can't love Devin Booker, man. Like, I, I think the bright in Phoenix, I, I really believe that. I, I think that, you know, they got some tough decisions to make with Chris Paul. How much money are you going to give him? But like I said, I can't imagine him opting out of $42 million, one, one year, $42 million. I mean, dude, he, he can give some of that money to me if he wants to opt out that battery. <laughs> he's worried about spending that money, man. But I mean, what, so going into next year, Brett, what do you see? Like, let's talk about Milwaukee again. I mean, they, they seem set up here to go on a little bit of run, go a little bit of a run, right? This is their first NBA finals that they made, yeah. but they were right there. Eastern conference finals two years ago under bud. I, I I've said this, Respect everybody that did the bubble. You know, Lakers deserve to win it. Uh, I may make fun of it and say Mickey Mouse title, whatever, but they deserve it, right? I, I do think if there wasn't a bubble, I think Milwaukee was conference finals at the very worst or possibly making the NBA finals. I mean, this has been a run, a three-year run where they're right there. They finally got their point guards to ch- figured out. Dante DiVincenzo comes back. Pat Connaughton, I mean, he, Pat Connaughton proved in these NBA finals he can Love play. Love he him. can play. You got Bobby Portis is going to be there. They have a decision to make on PJ Tucker. Brooke Lopez is still there. I thought that game six, man, I've rewatched that game four times. When I was there, I looked at my dad and said, man, Brooke Lopez has made some big buckets in this game. It just seems like, you know, people are going to talk about Brooklyn. They still have to prove they can stay healthy. Philly, who knows? Is Dame Willard going to go there? Are they going to make a trade? Who knows what's going to happen there with Ben Simmons? You know, I think that Milwaukee is pretty primed here to go on a little bit of a run. What do you think? Couldn't agree more. Uh, they're they're as primed as as a team could possibly be, really. I mean, the first thing is like, do they enter next season as the favorites? Now I know Probably we got to see, Probably we got it. Well, we got to see what the Lakers do. <clears throat> we got to see what the Nets do. Um, you know, I guess those would probably be the two that really could that could be the favorites over them. Maybe Philly if they got a guy like Dame or something. But I mean, right now as it stands, I think they would have to be considered the favorites. But yeah, man, like, okay, so Giannis is 26. Um, are Chris and Drew both, like, 30? Uh, they're right around there. Yeah, they're right around 30. And then Brooke is, what, maybe 32? So, yeah. like, they're all – they're if we're looking at it, like, from a timeline to go on a little – at least, like, mini dynasty. Chris Middleton is actually 29. He'll be 30 in August. Wow. He's not even 30 yet. That's crazy. Yeah, man, so they they're – that works for their timeline. Like, they could have – you know, the next three years, four years, something like that. If they could essentially keep this group together, um, that's that's they're primed. They're primed. Like they're all they're all essentially in their prime. Like with the way guys age these days in the NBA, like Drew and Chris are still gonna be, you know, at least like fringe all-star level players when they're 33, 34. Giannis has another seven years probably at least in his prime and i think brooks game is going to age really well as long as he stays healthy and um and yeah getting dante back too man like he wasn't even barely talked about during the finals but he's you know they were missing him and and you know they figured it out but for them to do that without him was really impressive he's he's an important part of that team and he's obviously one of their younger guys so yeah man i think they've got something special here Uh, i think getting that first one obviously is huge and if they were to run off two in the next three years, three in the next four years, two in the next four years, something like that. You know, something like the Miami Heat four-year thing, like a dynasty, something that looks like that, like a mini dynasty. Um, I don't know if they're going to do like a San Antonio Spurs thing. Me neither. Like I don't know. I don't know about over, that. You know, 12, 15 years, but like 
I could see like a four or five year window here that they've just tapped into. Cause dude, people forget, and I'm glad you brought up the bubble in last season. Cause I think people forget how good they were last regular season, offensively and defensively. They were an historically great team. No question about it. And then obviously the bubble was a massive disappointment. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, you, you gotta wonder what, you know, what they could have accomplished in a, a regular situation, but you know, it was what it was, but man, they were, they were a hell of a team last season or in 2019, 20, I should say. So yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm excited and I'm excited for you. And, uh, I, I just, as a basketball fan, I can't wait to see what these next few years look like. Uh, Bud's job is safe. And, um, they he got- coached a hell of a series, by the way, he man. I, I mean, he, he, he coached a hell of a series and I'm going to, we're going to talk about, uh, yeah. About Team USA in a minute here, but I mean, like players got to play. I I think coaches, the coach's job is to manage egos and put them position to succeed. But you know, since Bud's been there, man, I mean, Giannis, back-to-back MVPs, a Defensive Player of the Year award, and a Finals MVP. You know, that's that's pretty fucking good, man. And I just think this kind of wrap this up on a bow, man. I, I was at a lot of these playoff games. I think I missed two. I missed Game Four of the Finals, and I missed Game Series. I mean, dude, it was electric, man. the The fans were insane. Like the the vibe in Game Six, I think they gave us they handed out T shirts. I think that second, the entire T shirt, like it was, it was, uh, it was so nervous. It was, it was awesome though. I mean, I mean, it was awesome. I couldn't be happier for Giannis and Chris. I mean, they were. I was there, man. I went to all those games that they won, man. It went in, you know, eight years ago when they won fifteen games, and eight years later they ended up beating that win total in one single playoffs win in sixteen. It was uh it was incredible, man. Like I said, all those guys were phenomenal. I went to the parade on Thursday. It was, man, it, it's been, uh, I'm going to crack open another cocktail here in a minute here. It's been, uh, it's been fantastic, man. It, it's, uh, uh, this, this, this smile has not, has not left my face. And, and Giannis, like I said, I, I can't, I'm sure there was some, like, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and say this was better or that was better, but I mean, for a dude that just started playing basketball, Giannis in in eight years, Brett, he's uh, he's a two time MVP, NBA champion, Finals MVP, Defensive Player of the Year award winner, Most Improved, five time All or NBA All Star MVP, five time All Star, five time player, four time All Defensive Player. He's twenty six. It's unbelievable, man. <laughs> yeah, Truly unbelievable. That's, that's fucking. These are video game numbers, man, and it's it's. It's stupid. It's just incredibly stupid. But let's. Uh, I'm gonna get up because I want to hear your thoughts on this. Because um, this was actually like usually you and I, I think, are in lockstep in just about everything. We might poke fun at each other here, but you had some choice words for uh, for for Popovich and Team well, USA today. So so why don't you? I know I'm giving you the floor here, man. Why don't you? Why don't you kind of expand on that and give your thoughts for those that uh, haven't been paying attention? Team USA lost today. They lost uh, to France in a game that I, I watched that game. I, we can talk about. I it was criminal that Chris Middleton played five minutes, but True Holiday was by far their best player. Durant and Dame Lillard did not look good, but Brett, go ahead, man. I'll, you get you get the floor, brother. Give us uh, give us your thoughts and kind of what you meant by that. So Popovich only played Middleton five minutes. That was pretty criminal. This has been the case with his Spurs teams the last few years. I've had some issues with <clears throat> with his rotational decisions. Not so much this past season, but but I'd say like the two before that. Uh, just, you know, prioritizing some of his older players when it seems like they should really go toward a youth movement. And then, you know, one game a guy will get 30 minutes. The next game he'll get eight minutes. Like, 
He's just got some wonky rotations, and that's been going on for a while. That's one of my biggest gripes with Pop, like in the NBA. There's been a couple of pretty, you know, uh, pretty glaring coaching errors that he's made in big spots. But, um, you know, mostly, man, it's just it's just disappointing how how poorly his USA teams have done, and not just in these Olympics, losing all the exhibition games, and how, or they lost two of them, I guess, and then losing to France in the first official game. Then you look at his the FIBA team in uh, 2019, where they lost, they finished seven. Like, yeah, I know we're not getting all of the best NBA players on these teams, but man, it should be enough to do better than that. And I just, I, you know, I just don't think he's probably the right guy for the job. And now there's like rumblings that the players are a little bit frustrated with him running like a Spurs offense. And I should say, as I said to you in the group, I did not watch the game. I did not see any of the France game. I didn't even see any of the highlights. So that's why when I said I asked the question, is pop overrated? Um, because I think if you were to take a poll, I think most people would consider him one of the best coaches in the league. Still, he's one of the best of all time. There's no debating that. Is he the best? No, that might be overrating him a little bit. I don't think he's the best coach of all time, but he's up there, man. He's definitely top five, but I think people still consider him among the best handful of coaches in the league. And I just don't believe that to be the case. And I think that's where he might be getting overrated. But I was really just asking the question because I was I was kind of thinking about it. And I just wonder where other people stand on this. And they all kind of say the same thing. It's like a lot of people are saying, like, you know, overall, he deserves, you know, um, the reverence that he gets. Like, if you look at his whole career. But, yeah, maybe now he is a little bit overrated. Maybe the game is passing by a little bit. Um, you know, I love, I, I love pop man. Like, you know, it's going to be sad when he's not in the NBA anymore. Uh, but you know, I don't think he's an elite coach at this point. And I think he doesn't deserve all the blame for whatever happens with team USA. Like a lot of that is on the players, but at the same time, he needs to have those guys ready. Uh, he needs to be able to adapt. He needs to be able to implement things quickly in a shortened sort of training, um, time uh, and and maybe he's not the guy for that you know maybe you need a quicker thinker a more adaptable coach uh more of a player's coach to, to use a cliche but um maybe he's just not the guy but i did not watch the game i don't know how many of these games i'm even gonna watch man like what the hell time was that game on by the time i woke up this morning it was over well for you it was probably a little uh i can't remember when it was i watched i think it was at like eight o'clock eight nine in the morning i was watching my time i was watching it on uh it might have been even earlier. It was on. It was on your streaming device, Peacock. The cock. It was on the Dude, cock. Who, who the who? Who came up with that name? That's the dumbest <laughs> shit I've ever heard. Why? Like, why not just CTV or something? Like, what, oh, like I love you, Brett. It, it's so dumb. We're not getting it's... any sponsorships from Peacock. So, what? What? <laughs> one thing about Pop Man. Like, the, here's the part where I disagree with you on, and I think some of the NBA stuff is fair game, although like. You, you. This isn't anything new for me. I've said this before. I, I think a lot of time coaches get way too much credit and way yeah. too much blame. You're right. And I just think like the NBA is the one sport where if you have the best players, chances are you're going to win. And I think that you know, with once Kawhi Leonard went out, and I, if we want to criticize Pop, I, I think that they could have got a shit ton more for Kawhi Leonard than what they got. But I mean, you're not. You're not winning a title with DeMar DeRozan. Like, I'm sorry. If he's going to be your best player or LaMarcus Aldridge, like, you're not winning a title. But from from a Team USA standpoint, here's where I disagree with you on. It's 
all these national teams play together all year round, right? Once the NBA season is done, these dudes go back and they're playing exhibitions. They, they, they've, they've grown up with each other. I mean, you saw, I mean, Evan Fournier doesn't even have an NBA team right now. And, and we were, you and I, I think you and I specifically were making fun of him because, like, he had to be Orlando's best player. And, like, he, he was yeah. dreadful with it. That's his best player. But it's just that those guys all, they know each other like the back of their hands. And what hurts this specific team the last couple of years is it's not like when they got beat in 2004 and then there was a program that they all went through and everybody wanted to play, right? Like, for the U.S. to be successful, they have to have the best players. And and I, you heard me kind of say it, like, there's no LeBron. There's if, if LeBron and Steph and CP3 are all in this game. Like, USA probably wins by 30. Like, that's just... I mean- I don't That's know, just, man. Maybe. I, yeah, do, but, but I disagree have, with I disagree that they have to have the best, the very best NBA well, players. What I mean by that though is is like all these other teams, like France, um, they all have chemistry that, that the, the US just doesn't have. For you, sure. And and here's here and here's like if if you get a chance to watch the game, great. If not, but like Dame Lillard was awful in this game. I, I mean, heard. just he was flat out awful. And what I mean by off, it wasn't like you players are going to miss shots, right? Like that's, that is what it is. But I saw Dame Lillard defer the ball. He was three, he was, I think he was three for 10. He had two turnovers in the, in the fourth quarter. He was deferring to Zach Levine. And, and this is, I mean, I don't, I don't mean this Zach Levine. I like Zach Levine. He plays 90 miles on like Zach Levine's a fine player. Zach Levine has never been to the playoffs. You're f- alert. What are you doing? Passing up a wide open three, to pass to Zach Levine. Like, that's the stuff that I mean, Brett. Like, it just seemed Team USA was super passive, trying to make the right play. Like, it was like the first half of an all-star game it, it, it is what it felt like. I mean, Kevin Durant was god-awful. I, I mean, he was he, – he, they, they, they switched him up. I don't on, understand that. I don't understand Rudy. how. He was how? 4 for 12. He missed, like, his last three threes that he had wide open. I mean, Gobert just crushed him this game when – I think Durant was in foul trouble a lot. I think he had four quick fouls or three quick fouls. And in FIFA, you only get five. It's stuff like that that I mean, like, this team doesn't have a lot of chemistry, right? Like, I mean, so that's why I think, like, you know, like, if we're going to – if we want to rip on pop, Isn't some fine. of that on the coach, though, the chemistry? Like, I feel like that's a little bit on the coach. I think, I think, I think a lot of it is on – like, look, I'm not saying Popovich isn't to blame here. Like, you, we obviously the entire team from – Popovich all the way down deserves play. My point is like Jerry Colangelo picks it like where was Trey Young, right? Like there's no Trey Young, there's no Zion, there's no LeBron, there's no Steph. Clay's hurt. CP3 didn't want to do it. All these different other players, you know, decline. Like, where is that? Like that I, just, me, like, I think, dude, I think Bam, Durant, Lillard, Levine, like Tatum, that should be enough. You know what I mean? Like, I I just that's how I feel. Like at that point, like I feel like the Team USA's five worst players are better than any other team's best five talent wise. So like I don't think sure you could have a better team if you got this guy and that guy and LeBron whatever. But like, they, like I, I don't think talent's the issue. Like I think they have enough talent. Maybe it's not the right collection of pieces. Like I, I always thought like it would be cool to see guys like PJ Tucker or like. Um, you know, just oh, guys like that, well, like guys like at that level, like just like good role players. Like I'd almost rather see the team have be have like ten of those guys, and then like Dame and Durant. You know well, what I mean? Okay. Like, well, even here, can I can I can I counter then? Because because 
Because I agree with you. I, I agree with you to a point. But, like, Durant and Dame Lillard were 7-22 tonight. Like, they were 7-22, man. Crazy. They missed shot. Like, if those guys are 20% better than that, USA wins. I, I do, though, want to give a shout-out to my boy Drew Holiday, who had who played 16 points, 12 points in the fourth quarter and literally kept him in the game. I mean, no big deal. Just another Milwaukee buck. I mean... I, I I will rip pop because I, how Chris Middleton played had five minutes in this game was ridiculous. Like uh, Javel McGee had more minutes than Chris Middleton had. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna say, man. The last thing I'll say about them is because again, I have never really watched USA basketball since like the Dream Team, and I haven't watched this team at all. But like, it doesn't make sense. Um, now I know it's a different game. And that's something. And honestly, I haven't watched enough of it to know exactly how it's a different game. I know the rules. Um, but, I, you know, I'm going to have to watch a couple of these games before I talk about it anymore. But uh, I just – I think they've got enough talent. I didn't even mention Drew and Middleton. Like, dude, they're loaded. Like, And Booker uh, had 18 minutes and looked good. Yeah. There you go. I mean, yeah, Booker. I mean, geez. Like, so, I, you know, yeah, you, you can get some better guys. But, like, I, I don't know, man. I think it's – uh, I think it's a lot of it has to come down to coaching. It's like, how do you fit these pieces together? I'm not saying that's an easy job. That's a very tough job in well, terms of like ego management and like, Hey, you know, you're going to have to defer and you're going to, you know, and I just think a lot of the blame has to fall on pop. And I'm saying that without having watched the games, but like, uh, it just doesn't make sense that I, I, I respectfully disagree because I, I just think like if, if this was coach K, it'd be the same issue. Like you can't have, the way, like you said, I, it's these guys. You still have Kevin Durant, who I, you and I, I said it. I mean, Kevin Durant, best player in the world, right? I mean, you and Dame Lillard is the second best player on the team. You can't have your two best players go seven for 22. You're just no. like, I don't care who the coach you're not going to win. Now, if we want to talk about rotations and things like that, I, I thought Zach Levine got too many minutes. I would have loved it. Like Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Devin Booker have all been playing high competitive basketball up until Tuesday. Like, those three are ready to go more than anybody on the team. I don't understand Chris Middleton playing five minutes. Bam was good, although he missed two big free throws down the stretch. Like, I just... I, I, get, what you're, I get what you're saying to a point. I just I just, I just, just go back like this. You're not going to win when your two best players go seven for 22. But how about this, though? Okay. Um, what, what if we underrate these foreign guys? Like, what if we... You know, we just look at them as NBA players. And it's like, okay, as an NBA player, Nick Batum is this, uh, Evan Fournier is this. But, like, maybe we should look at them as basketball players because basketball is more than just they the are, NBA. Brent. That's what I'm saying. They, they, you, you're, not, you're, you're spot on, man. Like, these dudes in these international games, they, it's the same team. It's not like the USA, always, they're always going to put a different team out there for France. For um, there's, there's other teams that I just can't think of, but I, I'm just I just got France on the mind because we play them. For yeah. Spain, it's the same guys every single time. Yeah, Australia, like they, they, Argentina. They, yeah, it's the same guy. It's not going to be a different set of people. Well, it's going to be the same, and that's why they have that chemistry. They know how to play yeah. international basketball. That's where like that all that talent from the U.S. comes in because if the U.S. if the U.S. sent their A plus plus team. Like, dude, they, they're going to win every single time. Like, now we're going to get this all oh, the world's caught up. No, we just well, yeah. send our best so, guys. We just so you have not send our best guys. So you have this level of chemistry that you're talking about with all these 
with all these other international teams. And like, that's very true. Like these guys have been playing together since they were kids, like you said. But then also, if you look at them as individuals, like they, like our guys, our USA guys were brought up emulating and idolizing and watching and patterning their games after the NBA and the guys in the NBA, all these European guys and guys from all over the world were patterning their games after the international games and the stars of the international game. And so, you know, we see that now they're like, okay, this is my time to shine. Like, this is my shit. Like, this is, this is what I grew up playing. Like the NBA is a different game. Like they're adapting to the NBA and now our guys are adapting to their shit. And, uh, and it's just a really fascinating um, battle between talent. You know, I, I just think athletic talent. Yeah. Nobody compares to the USA versus chemistry and also just like um you know being being adapted to play this style of basketball which they've been playing their entire lives and our guys never really have so it's just fascinating in that sense and like just talking about it does make me want to actually tune into a couple of these games i'm really going to make a point of doing that and then you know we'll talk about it some more for sure i can't wait to give you my impressions after actually yeah dude watch it because i mean they they, they, they have to win to get to get to the medal round they have to beat iran they have to beat uh the czech republic but like damian lillard i mean they they asked him he was like we were just trying too hard to do the right thing instead of just being who we were the best players in the nba like that yeah. sums up that game uh you know you know, in a nutshell, man, and, and that's kind of is what it is. But Brett, let's kind of let's end it right there, man. Like I said, we're gonna have another podcast that we're gonna record on Tuesday to be released Wednesday. Well, I mean, we're we're moving right on in the NFL draft mode. I will not be moving right on. I'm gonna continue celebrating. Um, you know what? Because it's been 50 years, brother, and I am the Bucks in six, man. Let's fucking go.